On today's show, I have a special guest with me. I guess you could say a former beat reporter for the Washington Nationals who now covers the Washington Capitals for NBC Sports Washington, Matt Wyrick over at NBCSW. And we're going to get into all things Nationals, but I'm going to start with a little bit on a old friend with Trey Turner. You're going to hear all of that and more right after this. You are Locked On Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that is right. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. I have taken my Nationals fandom into a podcast now, which is Locked On Nationals. And we thank you for making it your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now I bring in a good friend of as well as Josh Neighbors, the former host of this show. Matt Wyrick from NBC Sports Washington. And Matt, I kind of said this, but I feel like I kind of stumbled on myself. Aren't you still sort of going to write a little bit about the Nationals? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't haven't gotten to since I got started with the Caps. Been trying to get used to the whole routine there. But that's something I think as we get close to the season, I'll be I'll be dipping back in. And, you know, who knows how things are going to shake out over these next few months. So never going to rule out a return to the beat. Baseball is, is my first love. There we go. And also, I mean, how could you not write about the Nationals' moves this offseason with I know, Jay Mayer so Candelario? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, well, what are we doing here, Matt? Blockbuster <laughs> stuff. So many blockbuster moves so far. But I do kind of want to get started, and this is what I was talking about in yesterday's show a little bit. And I've been kind of talking about and kicking the tires on forever, really, with I saw that today the Phillies are, again, the front runners to land Trey Turner. And that is just such a gut punch when you really think about it for obviously they're one of the team's rivals. They've been one of the rivals for over a decade now. And obviously that's kind of watered down a little bit as the Phillies were bad over the last decade. And of course the nationals are bad right now when the Phillies are good again, but man, to see someone like Trey Turner to land with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, what would that really set the tone for in the NL East moving forward, especially just seeing another one of our superstars with the Philadelphia Phillies. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be the Phillies up in the ante. Now, they made the World Series last year, and I don't want to take away from that. It was a fantastic run. But at the same time, they were looking up at the Braves and at the Mets the entire season. And if you just look at the rosters top to bottom, I think the Mets and the Braves are clearly still the top two teams in the division, especially with the losses that the Phillies have uh, personnel-wise this offseason. They've got a few free agents that are leaving, so they've got a lot of holes to replace. I think getting another star in there, especially in that lineup, is something that team really needs. Uh, It would definitely be a gut punch to the Nationals fans. I mean, they've already seen Max Scherzer go to the Mets. They've seen Bryce Harper go to the Phillies uh, at a certain point. Maybe they can't be hurt any longer, but... Um, you know, with this this Nationals team still figuring out its own identity until they start winning again, it's it's going to hurt to see these guys, especially uh, if they come so close to home. Yeah, exactly. And that's also kind of like the point of it is that they're they're just coming so close. And really, I'm just reading the writing on the wall right now. And the Philadelphia Phillies, they're going to want to kind of 
get over that hump and win the World Series. And what better addition would be than Trey Turner to spend on him? And really, because they know what he's like. They know what he's been one of the more consistent players in baseball over the last few years and has really just kind of transcended even more over the last two years, which is kind of crazy to think about because back in 2019, like he put up great numbers and he dealt with that broken finger, but like he wasn't, he wasn't what he is now. And really over the last two years since 2020. And so over the last few years, he just keeps on taking these step up. He's taken another step up in the past year and that would just be frustrating. But what I want to kind of hone in on now with Trey Turner is kind of look back to 2021 when we dealt him. And I kept on thinking that, like, you know, we lose Bryce Harper. We're going to be losing Max Scherzer again if he was either a free agent or we were going to trade him just like we did. Uh, Juan Soto, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Anthea Rendon, the writing was on the wall for him as well. But Trey Turner was the one who wasn't a Boris client. He was someone that was open to negotiating a long-term deal with this organization. And that ultimately just never happened. And I just kind of want to highlight that the one that he was the one that got away. What do you kind of think about that? Like, do you think that the Nationals could have extended him while he was a national at this point? Because obviously we're not going to sign him in free agency at this point. I think they Definitely could have. He was definitely open to it. He said it on multiple occasions. I think the the big thing that was kind of the catalyst that made it an impossible situation was Francisco Lindor signing his extension with the Mets, really changing the shortstop market. Uh, before Lindor's extension, the highest paid on an average annual value basis, highest paid shortstop in baseball was Xander Bogarts at just $20.5 million. I mean, that's a low bar. You, yeah. you, you're think, looking say, hey, Trey, we throw you $22 million a year for six years, you know, that, that contract right now would look like an absolute steal, but the Nationals weren't proactive enough to make that offer, weren't proactive enough to get ahead of the market, and as soon as things started to shift, as soon as we saw guys like Javier Baez and Carlos Correa and all of these big-name shortstops hit free agency and totally blow mm-hmm. up the market, that changed things for Turner, and at that point, you know, the, the Nationals really had no choice but to trade him. Yeah, exactly. And and plus, we were terrible last year. I mean, we totally fell apart. And I think also the thing that people forget is like we were two and a half games out of first place at one point in 2021 in June, I believe, until we went to San Diego and Max Scherzer gave up that grand slam to a relief pitcher. I'm blanking on his name now. But and that was kind of the sign of the times where it's like, well, this uh, nice little run in 2021 is over. Kyle Schwarbert eventually got hurt. Juan Soto got COVID. Trey Turner also got COVID, if I remember that correctly, right? He was he had COVID when he got traded, so he couldn't even exactly. join the Dodgers right away. Yes. And so he he got COVID, and that was kind of the sign of the times for us, which absolutely stunk, by the way. I mean, because I'm a fan. Like obviously you cover the team. I don't know if you're if you were a fan growing up, but I, I'm pretty open with it. I'm a Nationals fan, and I still am. I root for them to win. Uh, and this past season, I was rooting for them to tank as well, which uh, they did. I mean, that was one thing they were very good at. Paying a job. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they did a great job at tanking this last season and then ultimately trading away Juan Soto. And that's kind of what I want to get into here with you. What do you kind of think about the Juan Soto trade now that we're a couple months past it? He's set in San Diego. We've got James Wood, Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Jarlin Susanna. Name all of them. We got them. 
What do you think about the trade now? I think that for starters, it was a historic return. There's no doubt about it. What the Nationals got back in terms of prospect capital for Juan Soto and rental Josh Bell was historic. Maybe the largest package we've ever seen in a deadline deal. So as far as, as maximizing your return goes, Mike Rizzo, you got to gotta raise your hat to that. Now, I think that ultimately you trade Juan Soto, it's a losing move. I get mm-hmm. that the Nationals of, of any team in Major League Baseball really needed to restock their farm system, and this did exactly that on multiple levels. But you don't just have Juan Soto's to, to toss around. You don't have the next Ted Williams that's going to come up through your farm system. As good as these guys might be, and, and trust me, I, I think C.J. Abrams has shown flashes of superstar potential. I think Mackenzie Gore, while we didn't get to see him, in a Nationals uniform down the stretch. I remember watching him early on last season. He looked absolutely filthy. James Wood, I watched him play personally. The man is an athletic specimen, and I'm a pretty tall guy. I I feel short standing next to him, for sure. And, and, you know, you you can go through all of these names. These prospects are are the real deal, but at the end of the day, they're prospects. And what you're giving up is a surefire two-and-a-half-year control of a potential Hall of Famer, likely Hall of Famer, Still only 23 years old. I mean, just to give that up, the guy who is putting butts in seats down the stretch for a team that is not, you know, putting out, trotting out many guys worth going to see games for. I mean, Soto is the reason that anyone was paying attention to the Nationals for the first half of the season. And once he was traded, I don't think we heard a peep from the national media at all about this team besides the occasional CJ Abrams highlight. Yeah, no, and you're totally right here. And I kind of, you know, Because obviously it's tough to trade Juan Soto, and I totally agree with that take, by the way. But then also, I think this package that we got in return is still just kind of crazy. And once you really sit down and think about it, at least for me, I'm like, I kind of like this move. But I'm going to first, I'm going to tell you guys about my friends over at Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind of this holiday season. And here's why I love it. I work in Washington, D.C., and I work sometimes some long hours here, and I'm not really able to be home all the time. So I always feel safe when I have Simply Safe at home to alert me for any possibilities of any crime in the area. And it's always kind of just a nice security blanket when I'm not home and I'm not close with my dogs and all my belongings there that I have in my homes. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash URL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And now I bring in Matt Weyrick again. I said Weyrick because it's stuck in my head. It's one. Eric, my bad, Matt. No worries, man, dude. People get it <laughs> wrong all the time. I throw up my Twitter bio 
just so that people That's can right. reference. <laughs> because literally, I'm I'm so used to it. Don't even worry about it's it. It's like I see it and I'm like Weyrich, but I'm like, no, it's Weyrich. It's but... completely opposite how it looks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I kind of want to push back on your Juan Soto deal. And for the record, I would have traded Juan Soto when we did. And obviously it does sting. And all the points that you brought up were correct. But then also, you know this, that we wouldn't have extended him. You know that when he would have gotten a free agency, and now obviously we don't know this for sure, but the likelihoods of someone like Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners just outbidding the Washington Nationals for Juan Soto or even the Dodgers or name that team, the Padres, who have been ultra aggressive over the last few years. I just knew that someone would have outbid us eventually for Juan Soto, and he wasn't going to take a home discount with Scott Boris as his agent. That's just not what he does. And so I think the next best thing that they had to do was trade him at that deadline just so they could get guys like James Wood, so they could get Robert Hassel, uh, Jarlin Susanna, Luke Voigt in the deal also, who's no longer here, but so they could get those guys in place. So I don't know. Do you think it was a necessity for them to do at this deadline? Like if they saw that Juan Soto was going to be leaving this team, do you think that the right move was to trade him at this past deadline or should they have just waited? I mean, if you wanted to maximize the return, that was the time to do it. I just think that Soto was never going to, and this is pure speculation, not not reporting, but I didn't think that Soto was going to accept a offer before the deadline. I don't think he planned to accept an offer until the Nationals solved their ownership situation. He wanted to know, you know, that I'm going to be on a winning team moving forward. And if he didn't know the guy at the top who's going to be investing in this roster, investing in the team, getting better on a year-to-year basis, giving a a vision for the organization. If he didn't know who that was going to be, why would he sign for the next 15 years? It just, the timing really didn't work out where the Nationals could have said, okay, we can wait until the offseason because then he would have lost some part of the value. And at that point, you know, who knows how long the ownership situation is going to take to shake out. What is the new owner going to want to do? Well, they immediately come in and say, you should have traded him at the deadline. You know, they decided to make the move then. Uh, you know, I think that Soto is a player that you build around, that you you need the play, a player like that to become a contender in this sport. We see it time and time again. Ryan Zimmerman was that guy for the team early on. It's the Freddie Freemans of the world. You know, Anthony Rizzo's. This is one Soto could have been that for the next contending Nationals team. Instead, we're, we're seeing the Nationals tear it down all the way to the studs and find this young group of guys who together are going to have to figure it out. And we are seeing teams like the Tigers and the Rangers who tried that exact method slowed down a little bit, maybe longer than they were expecting. May, it might not necessarily be because there isn't one guy in the major leagues that they can build around. But when you have a bunch of unproven players, guys that are just prospects and nothing that is bankable talent that has been established in the major leagues, it's hard to project where your organization is headed and what exactly your timeline is going to be. Yeah, and you you brought up a key point there for me, really, because he saw it himself, too. Just the learners in this ownership group, they weren't going to be spending the money to put them around and God knows why they weren't doing that. And, you know, I will say the last decade, they had no problem spending their money now. They truly didn't. And that's something that I think we can all say and we can all say really easily. They were always top 10 in payroll. They were always kind of up there with the luxury tax. Like they 
they spent to stay competitive, and I'll give them credit. But then once you have someone like Juan Soto, who's like an obvious no-brainer to build around, they just didn't spend the money. They spent on Kyle Schwarber after 2020. They traded for Josh Bell after 2020, and they kind of put some guys around them, but they never really went all in for Juan Soto post-2019. And I think that's something that's really a total disservice for what they could be doing moving forward. So what do you can kind of say about that with why just aren't they spending the money anymore? Because they sit right now like $36 million under the MLB average for total payroll. And for a top 10 market in baseball and in a top 10 market in anywhere, this is the nation's capital. It's kind of like an embarrassment, really. What do you say about that? I think it comes down to COVID. It, it really took a toll on the learner's business. Uh, there was reporting out there that they lost over a billion in net worth uh, from the pandemic uh, with the commercial real estate business mm-hmm. that they are heavily invested in. And, you know, most sports teams, and uh, this is the case across Major League Baseball, they operate at a deficit. These are luxury items for uh, owners who have the money to spend more than they take in on this. Maybe not an absurd amount, relatively speaking, but Mm -hmm. enough where they have to have a blanket amount of money set aside uh, to keep them afloat uh, because the team is probably not going to be the thing that is driving their income unless you're the Steinbrenners, I might add. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, they, they obviously scaled back their spending. Since the pandemic started, they still have yet to sign any player to a multi-year deal in free agency. Uh, if that isn't uh, as clear a day um, example of, of what they're facing, I'm, I'm not sure what is. Obviously, they've got the Strasburg and the Corbin contracts, which I think plays a part there. But, you know, as as terrible as those contracts look right now, they are the only players on the Nationals' entire 40-man roster with guaranteed money this season. I mean, yes, you're paying Max Scherzer some deferred money. you got to take that into account as well. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of, as you mentioned, they are a lot lower than they have been in recent years in terms of payroll rankings. And, you know, inflation's going up. Like yeah. they, their, their spending should not be going down. It should be consistent with at least the rate of inflation. And certainly it has not been the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And that's kind of something to where like you would think that they would want to spend because if the more you spend on players to keep guys like Juan Soto, to keep guys like Trey Turner, I mean, God knows how many jerseys you sell a night at the team store for either of those guys. And there are players on the team right now that are selling jerseys, but you can't tell me that C.J. Abrams is going to be selling the same amount of jerseys as Juan Soto or Kiber Ruiz or just any of these guys, really. So it's kind of tough to say, but I'm going to get into more of that after I thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. But also, I kind of want to get into this, Matt, with you as – Obviously, we got to turn the page and we got to talk about some of these new guys because the Nationals, after all, they did sort of make a move yesterday or two moves, really, with uh, Jamer Candelario, former uh, former Detroit Tigers third baseman, as well as first base. You can kind of platoon him there. And I guess that's the move that it's not going to be the highlight move of this offseason. 
I would still expect. I mean, you, you kind of gave me that face <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube. Like, it might be. I'm a wishful thinker. I, I do not want to believe that Candelario is going to be that main marquee move. But that face that you just gave me, what do you say about that? Because you might have a different opinion. I don't know. I mean, it definitely isn't a splashy move, and they certainly uh, could make a, a move or two that would usurp that as the top move of the offseason. I think they could use starting pitching, as pretty much any team across baseball can, but I'd imagine, like Candelario, it's going to be a one-year deal. I think they could use another outfielder, but I'm not sure uh, it's going to be a starter. I think a guy like Brandon Nimmo is a really good fit for this team That'd be nice. uh, moving forward, but you know, I don't know if they're going to be willing to open up the checkbooks for him right now, but I, I do think the Candelaria move is is pretty consistent with where this team is right now. They're they're buying low on a player who had a couple of good seasons, 2018, 2019, then really, or 2020, 2021, and then really struggled uh, last year with the Tigers. Pretty much that entire Detroit lineup struggled. I mean, top to bottom, it was historically bad. I'd say even the Nationals lineup was better uh, than Detroit's. Yeah. Um, but, which is you crazy. Know, the thing that jumped out to me was that he's being paid $5 million, which tells me that he is going to be a starter on this team. He plays a little bit of first base, plays a little bit of third base, can DH. Uh, doesn't have to necessarily have one spot that he sits in. But it also, with Carter Keeboom coming back off of Tommy John, I think that's a really interesting wrinkle here where I don't think it's necessarily you know someone for Keeboom to compete with, which is what the Nationals have been doing every offseason. They brought in Michael Franco last year. Year before that, it was Starlin Castro. Year before that, it was Asdrubal Cabrera. Or maybe I'm getting those backwards. But every year, mm-hmm. they they bring in a veteran third baseman to compete with Carter Keeboom to earn playing time. And each time, Keeboom has lost out. This past year, of course, he got hurt. Not really his fault. But now, I think the Nationals are putting themselves in a position where they're not depending on Keeboom at this point. They have been in years past depending on Keeboom to live up to his prospect potential and he hasn't done that, albeit in very small sample size, hasn't really gotten a chance to really catch fire at the major league level and, and has had some bad injury luck as well. But now he is going to have to earn his way up, and that might mean starting the year in Rochester. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about him starting in Rochester, but now that you mention it, it's like it could happen because I'm I'm at the point where I want to give these young guys a shot, and I look at someone like Jake Alou, who's been – Truly, I mean, he's been super productive over the last two years down in the minor leagues. And he's not someone that the Nationals have put all their eggs in the basket for, you know? Like, he was a late-round pick, a very late-round pick. He's like 25 years old now, I believe. He's not really on your radar, but he's been ultra-productive. And Davey Martinez has said it himself that, like, yeah, like, we notice him. We notice what he's brought. They protected him from the Rule 5 draft this year. So, could you... see someone like Jake Alou taking over the third base spot moving forward and beating out Candelario and Keeboom's obviously going to be in the mix for it as well but I mean we've seen it yeah you know I think that everybody's going to be at spring training and they're all going to get their fair shake Jake Alou being protected from the rule five draft being added to the 40 man this offseason is huge for his potential of being called Mm -hmm. up to the major leagues next year as you mentioned he's kind of been a, a rising star in the organization but not a very heralded name. And that's haven't had a lot of guys like that break through the system and uh, come out and, and be a success story. Uh, we've seen the, the Joey Manessis and the Yadiel Hernandez the last two years, uh, Paolo Espino, but even Espino's bounced around organizations over the years. So uh, of, for a Lou to come up and, and earn a place uh, on that roster would be a huge success for the Nationals organization. 
But also, I think that the Nats are just in a point in their organization where they can't say no to anyone. You know, they they can't just go into spring training saying you're not going to make the team because, you know, let's let's be honest, Candelario is coming off of a terrible year. And if he looks bad in spring training, you know, you, he has the positional flexibility to move around. He doesn't have to be your third baseman. So you could come out of the gate with Jake Alou at third base. You'd come out with Keyboom if he has a nice spring. Um, but ultimately, this just gives you options uh, with at least a veteran guy who's done it before uh, as one of them. Yeah, and honestly, third base is kind of like the most interesting position for me at this point. And that's kind of what I want to hone in on here. And you're going to kind of take this out of left field because no one really knows what's going to happen right now. But with your knowledge and what you know, if you were to take a guess right now with Key Boom, Candelario, and Jake Alou, because that's usually the three guys, or that will be the three guys right now who will be battling for that third base spot. Who do you think takes it? I would say Candelario has the upper hand right now, given that he's on a major league contract. Keyboom also has minor league options remaining, as does Jake Alou. So either of them could be sent down to the minors without any kind of repercussions. You also have Ildemero Vargas uh, on the roster as well. So he is a, a guy who probably will be on the bench. Um, you know, he can play multiple positions, so he isn't necessarily your backup third baseman per se, but he played a lot of third base in the Nats last year. So you can feel comfortable about, you know, having Keyboom and Candelario and Vargas all on the roster and then sending a Lou down, or maybe you send uh key boom down and keep a Lou up. Uh, but I think that Candelario definitely has the inside track. He would have to come out and, and play pretty poorly with one of those other two guys really outperforming him in spring for them to take the job. Not to say it is impossible. I definitely think it is, but I would say Candelario is the upper hand. I agree with that. I think Candelario is, I mean, he has to be right now, especially when you just gave him $5 million uh, for a major league contract. Like, Which I mean, is more than uh, Cesar Hernandez or Alcides Escobar got last year, and they were basically handed the starting jobs. So yeah. I would very much imagine that that's part of their plan. Yeah, and they also have plus an incentive bonus as well in there. It's where they, he could even be making more than that. But it's kind of just the sign of the times, man. It's like... You've seen this team. You've followed this team. You've covered the team, obviously, for a while now. And it's like, you know, you got here in 2020. I think that's when you started covering the team, right? Yeah, 2020. Anthony, or not Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin at that point was coming off a really great 2019 season. Steven Strasburg. I mean, all the talent to where now we're talking about Ildemaro Vargas. Jamer Candelario, Jake Lou, and Carter Kibu. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> it, it, it brings me back to the days of getting hype for Christian Guzman and Felipe Lopez. <laughs> and Elijah Dukes. I swear right. Elijah Dukes, he's going to be that guy. Willie Harris. Like Willie all Harris. these guys. Like we could go on and on about some of the old days. But man, I mean, I will say I won't trade that last decade that we just had for anything. But good Lord, man. It's just, it's a tough pill to swallow, to say the least. But, uh, Matt, I appreciate you hopping on today, man. It's always fun catching up with you. And uh, tell everyone where they can follow you at, follow your work, and uh, what you're going to be having coming up the pipe here. Thanks, Ryan, for having me on. It's good to, to talk Nats again. It's been a little bit for me. So I know, man. Glad to jump back in. But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. All of my written work is over at NBCSportsWashington.com. Uh, Caps are on the road this week, but I've hung back uh, cooking up a story for Monday that I think is going to be really cool. Uh, 25th anniversary of the Caps' first game at Capital One Arena. Uh, I've got a, a nice feature 
on a lot of stuff over the years about the arena and stuff coming out on Monday. So definitely check that out. Nice. So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on all apps where you get your podcasts. Free as always. Matt, I end every interview tonight, and obviously we're a little late, but what are you having for dinner? That's how we end our interviews here. I think I had a bowl of cereal, so I might need dinner <laughs> part two. <laughs> Cheerios? <laughs> uh, yes. Really? Okay. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, it was good catching up to you, and uh, we'll catch you down soon. Uh, maybe over the next few months. Who knows? Maybe the Nationals get a new owner in town. We'll see. We will so, see. So uh, that was Matt Wyrick from NBC Sports Washington, and thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. I will talk to you tomorrow. You have a good day.